talk with us for, for just a minute about what what is the network? What does it do with particular attention to how it helps hold pastors and churches accountable? Yeah, I often say we're not a denomination. We're an association of biblical house churches around the world. The network allows us to keep up on a biannual basis. So every six months, checking in with them, making sure that they're heads above water. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of How We Do House Church. My name is Dr. Jason Barker, and I serve as the academic dean at Reformation Seminary. Reformation Seminary has the one goal of training men to plant biblical house churches all around the world. And as always, I'm joined by our founder and president, Dale Partridge. How's it going, Dale? Man, I'm excited for this conversation because one of the main critiques that we get as a house church network and community is around this topic. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a viewpoint or an opinion or, or an image of house church today. I know you, you've used the comparison before of, of, say, a restaurant versus a hot dog stand, right? Talk, talk to me about that for just a minute. Yeah. So when we think about house church, a lot of people go, is this some kind of fly-by-night operation here? And I, I have a little analogy between hot dog stands and restaurants. The hot dog stand, the barrier to entry is quite low. You need maybe $5,000 and uh, a passion for hot dogs. Um, now, <laughs> if you have a restaurant, it takes you know more like a million dollars and a full business plan and a financial model and lots of training and a chef and a team. And so my experience is that traditional churches have been more like the restaurant and they viewed the house church more like the hot dog stand. And what we have to do and what I've made the commitment to do for our ministry here at Reformation Seminary and Reformation Fellowship is that we have to treat the hot dog stand like the restaurant. We have to train and prepare and plan and study in a way that is equivalent to the work that would be required for a traditional church. And that's why we have Reformation Seminary to train men theologically, ecclesiologically, homiletically, so that they're preaching well doctrinally, so that they are prepared to not just have a, a hot dog stand that may or may not stick, but really a full functioning operation that's small, but very fruitful and very sound. Yeah, because the, the picture people generally have of a house church is a, a rogue man or woman or family who is, it, it may be justifiably church hurt. They were wounded. There was something that didn't go right. And, and they've gone off uh, and, and maybe they're unprepared for what's coming and they start something uh, that maybe lasts a little while or, or, or whatever, but that's what people think of when they think of, of house church. And so our, our question today is how does a biblical house church not only avoid that, but how does a biblical house church stay grounded in good theology and practice? Yeah. So the first thing we do as a network of house churches, as a seminary, training house church planters as individual house churches is we, we commit to the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith. We also affirm the Westminster standards. So we do have men who have been through our school who plant Presbyterian house churches in our network. They are committed to the Westminster standards if they do so. Uh, in comparison to the 1689. And so we 
uh, we one have that as our rule of faith in terms of obviously there's the scriptures are the the bedrock, but the practical application and the carrying out of that that doctrine is clarified in the 1689 on our statement of faith. In addition to that, we have uh, this book right here, actually, which you can see if you're watching the video version of this, but it's titled How We Do House Church, which is the Biblical Doctrines and Convictions of Reformation Fellowship. And this has been uh, theologically reviewed documentation of how we do house church. And it has the doctrines, the convictions. Doctrines are things that are backed in scripture. Convictions are things that are a little bit more interpretive and allow some more flexibility, but it's how we have done this. Uh, For example, we have a section on how do you invite a guest to a house church? What's the best practice for that? It's not a doctrine, it's a conviction. And this is what we've learned over the years to be a fruitful way of doing so. Um, And so we try to hold ourselves accountable because, again, clarity of doctrine and belief and structure really offers an opportunity for more unity. Uh, We think that vagueness or ambiguity is the way to go because people can be falsely unified or superficially unified. No, the more you know, the more opportunity you have to be unified as a body. And so we try to get very clear with members, uh, with planters, uh, with people that are interested in a house church to have absolute understanding of our theological and doctrinal commitments and how we do house church, what to expect at a house church. Uh, And you could find some of those things at reformationfellowship.org. But that's our heart is that we are grounded. We are accountable. We do stand arm in arm with our brothers and sisters who have stood for the 1689 Confession of Faith. Again, that's Charles Spurgeon's Confession of Faith. If you're wondering, he was one of the many people that have adhered to that Confession of Faith. And so it does. It keeps us accountable because we have a rule of faith to be measured by. Right. And that's really the benefit of house churches that are united together in a network like this one is that we have this theological grounding and we're expecting these men and these pastors to be in substantial alignment with that. Yes. And so we have the theological grounding. Let's talk for a minute about the ecclesiastical grounding of this. We have certain structures in place in biblical house churches that keep them on the straight and narrow as well. Yeah. So we have, as any biblical church should have, elders and deacons. According to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, these are men who are overseeing, serving the church. And these are biblically qualified men who have been ordained to ministry by other elders or by the network. And those are the two governing offices that scripture offers us. These men, we also really push for a plurality, I think, in certain unique circumstances, like at the very beginning of an inauguration of a plant, it's possible that you might only have one elder, but maybe another elder candidate, another possibility for uh, that person to be in that position soon. but. Ideally, you have two elders from the beginning. Now, it's sometimes nice to have three elders if you can, but the reality is in a house church, when you only have 10 to 15 families, having two elders and a deacon is a really a sufficient leadership in the body. Uh, the elders can meet with different families and share the teaching responsibilities. The deacon or two can help and serve some of the, the complexities of meeting with families or needs that are going on. We have a uh, a wife that just had a, a baby and helping get a meal train set up for that family, um, bringing certain resources to the Pregnancy Resource Center that we've gathered as a church. 
Those are some of the things that a deacon might do. And so we do have that theological oversight. And the church's responsibility is to hold these men accountable to scripture in the sense that they have the ability to, you know, if, if there are uh, witnesses of two or three to see something going wrong with an elder, that there's an accountable structure there. We teach that, that if you see something going on in my life as an elder and the church has a, you know, an allegation against me, th- those things can be raised. And um, having men, and we teach men to be in gospel community where they are accountable to one another, submitting to one another in love, and really making sure that these guys are qualified. We look at their homes, we look at their families, we look at their wives, the relationship there. We look at, are they radically in debt and not able to afford, like, is their home in order? Mm. Are they obviously mature believers? Are they, uh, do they have sound doctrine? Are they uh, dealing with any sins that are absolutely overcoming them? And so we, we try to do a lot of this through seminary as we evaluate these men, mm-hmm. but that is an absolute commitment. So you have not just the confession of faith, but you have men who stand behind that, who have been qualified, ordained. Does it mean that men can't fail? Right. They can, but it is another check in the process of sustaining strong gatherings. Right. And, and sort of in line with that, uh, when the men go through seminary, at Reformation Seminary, and they graduate, they're ordained, they go out and they plant a church. We're not just sending them out there on their own, right? They're not just going out into a vacuum to minister as they best see fit and without any assistance along the way. We actually have the Reformation Fellowship Church Planting Network. Now, it's, I want to be clear, we're, we're not a denomination. We yeah. don't function that way. But there is a, a certain alignment between these churches to be a part of that network. So talk with us for, for just a minute about what what is the network? What does it do with particular attention to how it helps hold pastors and churches accountable? Yeah, I often say we're not a denomination. We're an association of biblical house churches around the world. And we're, we're early. If you're listening to this in real time, this is still pretty early. We have a handful of churches that are in this network. As men graduate and get trained and planted, they're being added to that network. But the network allows us to keep up on, an, on a biannual basis. So every six months, checking in with them, making sure that they are still substantially affirming that statement of faith, making sure that they're heads above water, talking to uh, a few of their members at their church to make sure that things are going well over there from a member's perspective. And we basically allow them to maintain good standing in the network so that if you're a visitor, you can go to the website at Reformation Fellowship, you see a church in your area on our church finder, and you can see that, oh, this guy graduated from seminary. This guy is in good standing with the network. You can see that he's, got, he's married, he's got kids. Uh, you can see maybe a little bio about him. And so we want to help guests feel comfortable that this is a trusted pastor they can bring their family to and have coffee with for a, you know, a potential invitation to the church. And so the network is ongoing accountability. In addition to that, when churches multiply, when a house church multiplies, it multiplies into what we call a parish. And really, this is the idea that the church that planted and multiplies into two churches, those churches become connected at a local level. That those elders of those two gatherings, because they're essentially sister churches, can uh, have accountability to one another locally. And so if you have something go rogue with one church, they can talk to the elders of the church in their hometown as another layer of accountability. They also would share things like a calendar where they might do maybe 
if they could baptisms together or uh, if they're doing a parenting class by one of the families in congregation C, the people from congregation A and B are welcome to come to that parenting class. So it creates this ability where you can have not just the uh, intimacy of the house church, but the capability of the traditional church. Exactly. It allows you to have that larger, we're going to do a worship and prayer night. And we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. We're going to have an Easter sunrise service. Yes. And we're going to go meet at the park and you're going to have three churches. You're going to have 30 families that get together, or you're going to do something in the summer, like a family camp or whatever it may be. And so that's another layer of accountability. So we are working very hard to to create that. And I think as time goes on, our ministry guys, if if you're new here, we are pioneering by God's grace, the house church movement in this generation. And so this is still very new. Our job really, and I feel my calling is to, to really legitimize house church as a valid alternative for the modern Western church. And so we're working at, we're working hard to, to create accountability, to create trust. And I, I expect that it'll get stronger and stronger as the years go by. Yeah. You know, Dale, one of our goals has always been as we're planting churches to keep them connected to where if a family is attending a Reformation Fellowship Network church in Southern California, where, where I live, and they want to, they move to uh, Sedona, Arizona, or they're vacationing here one weekend, that they can go to that church and expect to have not an identical experience, but a very similar experience that they can trust is going to yes. be grounded in the same doctrine and the same practice. And that's really the beauty uh, of what we're trying to put together here. Yeah. And Lord willing, 10 years from today, there will be several hundred biblical house churches in the Reformation Fellowship. And we can create a, a movement of deeply connected Christian individuals and families. And if you're interested, I mean, I'm telling you here, I'm looking at the camera now. If you're interested in being a part of what we're doing, men, enroll. We do classes every six months that go for a year. And so the seminary is a one-year program. So we, we would love to have you as a part of our program. And it is a calling. I mean, if you're called to ministry, I think we've had so many guys that are self-employed mm-hmm. individuals who really are excited because they've, they've felt called to ministry, but not full-time, get the building, do the big thing with the staff, all encompassing all in traditional church planting. Yeah. But they found that, wow, I can keep my job. We have police officers, we have firemen, we have electricians, we have all these men that have been able to come in, be a part of the network, be a part of the church or the the seminary and really obey that calling to ministry without radically changing their entire life. Right. You know, it's interesting that we're on this topic on this day, because here today in real time, when we're recording this, we're getting ready to welcome our fourth group of men, our fourth cohort of men to Sedona today Yes, for their first intensive. And, and I know it's a little bit off topic, but, but we're here. So let's talk about it for a second. What, yeah. what is going to happen this weekend for these men? What are they doing? Why does it matter? Why is it great? Every group of guys that comes in, we've had a, we're coming close on 75 students that have mm-hmm. gone through the program or in the program. And our intensive today is going to teach men how to prepare an expository sermon from start to finish. And it's a wonderful experience 
from block diagramming to grammar to clausal layouts to how to study scripture and to extract the meaning of the text. And, and we teach men everything that I learned from John MacArthur and Dr. Steve Lawson, who was my professor for preaching. And we, we teach these, to, these things to these men so that these guys at these churches are faithful expositors of the word. And they know how to study their Bible hermeneutically, exegetically, and faithfully. And so it's it's an exciting time. Yeah, these intenses are so great because the guys come together, they learn, they fellowship, they hang out. There's some late nights. There's just time chatting, hanging out. And some of the later intensives, when families are invited to attend, we have activities for wives and we we coordinate informal things for the kids that come along. And it really is this expanding family of of house church planters. And so yes. it, it's it's a huge thing to be a part of. Again, if that sounds like something you're interested in finding more information about, we welcome you to, number one, pick up a copy of Dale's book, How We Do House Church. This is going to answer and expand on a lot of the answers that we gave today, a lot of the questions that, we, that we've reviewed in these podcasts. If you really want some, some specific information on planting a house church, head to ReformationSeminary.com. Fill out an enrollment inquiry. Uh, that basically goes straight to me, and I'll be in touch with you about a candidate interview and what those next steps are, where we can answer all the questions that you have. Seminary is a big decision. With, with Reformation Seminary, we've made it as accessible as possible, both financially and in terms of time commitment. But it is a big decision, and we want to walk through that with you. So we hope that if you have those questions, you'll take the opportunity to reach out to us. And I think that's all of our time today, Dale. Thanks again for joining. And guys, we will see you next time. 